is my light and my salvation? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as, as we said at the beginning, it's such a joy to have Charlie and Anita here this weekend. They're wonderful friends and we had the... <laughs> We had the privilege of uh, co-leading one of the New Wine Weeks with them and with Mark and Carrie for a number of years, which was such a joy. And I know that so many, well, a number of you have um, really benefited from watching Snorlitz online at times and receiving some of the great ch teaching Charlie and Simon and others have given. So such a thrill to have you with us. Just one shameless plug. There's a book still at the back. Well, not many books left because loads were bought yesterday. But Charlie and Anita are lovely writers, and uh, they're on spe special op special-ish offer. Ish. And, um, and you can ask Charlie to sign it, or Anita to sign book for you, or if you're really fortunate, you can persuade them not to sign it. So <laughs> let's have a, um, yeah, let's make sure we clear all the books by the end of the day, that'd be great. Let's, and let's pray for Charlie now. Lord, I want to thank you for this wonderful man of God. I want to thank you how he seeks your face. And Lord, his generosity in, in sharing from his reading and his own discoveries. And Father, would you fill him with your spirit, we pray. Anoint him to teach us today. And Lord, may we have receptive ears. May we have inspired hearts. Lord, increase that desire deep within us to seek you more fully. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, Andy and Fee. We are so 
glad to be here. It's one of our favorite churches. And we really feel the presence of God in worship here and in the long obedience in the same direction of you. And in this incredibly beautiful place, Pool and Pool Harbor and all that. What a great privilege to live here. And might be a good place to retire to, perhaps, anyway. Uh, we also thank God for Andy and his leadership here. Just amazing, in my view, wisdom, peacefulness, integrity, vision through the years and f always fresh. And Fee, that Bodicea of justice and creativity and caring, affection and much more. And uh, as they returned from the Women's Day yesterday, uh, I just felt such admiration for what you're doing here and these, seeing these 50 children down um, <clears throat> on the youth weekend or whatever it is. It is and, and you here seeking God after the lockdown. So I thank, we do thank God for you. You're looking at the life of uh, David, and today I want to just home in on one aspect of his life, which is the fact of seeking to contemplate the beauty of the Lord, as Psalm 27 said so beautifully just now. Um, Psalm 27 is the motto of Oxford University. The Lord is my light. Dominus illuminatio mea. We were serving for 20 years in the middle of that sort of greenhouse city full of students. And that's the motto of the university. We often used to pray it. And uh, people used to reflect that it was a um, relief that it was in Latin. Otherwise, it would have probably had to be erased from the vision statement, the Lord is my light of Oxford University. Anyway, Psalm 27 says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high on a rock. You have said to me, O Lord, seek my face. Your face, O Lord, will I seek. So these are rich keys and secrets and gifts of the life of David. This asking, seeking, dwelling, gazing, being kept safe, being hidden, and knowing somehow the face of God. But Jesus later will sum all this up by saying, abide in me and uh, ask whatever you will. And one great commentator of past centuries, Blaise Pascal, said that all of humankind's miseries stem from man's inability to sit alone quietly in a room. David is inviting us to sit alone quietly in a room with God. I think that saying of Blaise Castell, amazing, written before the days of social media interruptions and all of that, which distract us constantly, 
is very acute today, even for the greatest or best-known leaders in the world and indeed in our country. He's amazing because he had a super active life, as you do, and yet he had this reflex of stillness and knowing the gift of contemplation. That's the first thing I want to talk about, the gift of contemplation, seeking God. He understood this. I wonder if we do. Years ago, when I was in my first job, my girlfriend wrote to me and told me she'd become a Christian. And uh, this was a shock to me because I was a kind of atheist at the time. And uh, I said, I'm very pleased for you. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. You need to get into this too. I said, well, how do I do that? She said, well, go to Blackwell's and buy a Bible and read it, the New Testament. So anyway, I read the New Testament. And as I read it, I was deeply drawn to the life of Jesus, his beauty. I, as it were, saw him. And I saw also the power of his death on the cross and then the fact of his resurrection. And to use an old illustration uh, that will be familiar to you probably, um, we are kind of made for intimacy with God. And because of sin, our sins have made a separation between us and God. And when we pray, the skies are often like brass and we can't break through. And God, seeing our situation in his great mercy and love, came down to live among us. And when he died on the cross, the skies went black. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all of the sin of humankind, as you know, was transferred onto his back. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. But by his stripes, we are healed. And then he triumphed over that by the resurrection and destroyed death forever. And the result is that we are called back into intimacy and contemplation and relationship, affection and presence with God. And the question I'm really asking is, have we got there? Are we living there? Do we know how to live there? Do we know how to dwell in the sanctuary and see him and his gaze upon him? Or are we simply trusting the transaction for eternal life? So that's the first point I want to make really is we are called to seek his presence and this happens through the gift of contemplation. How do we do this? Well, obviously we can live in his presence, practice his presence, walk with God like Enoch, but there are special times I would say. So every morning make a rendezvous with God and uh, do it before the day begins, I would say because the band doesn't warm up and tune up after the performance, but beforehand. And then, how do we see God? Well, go on a journey of meditating on epiphanies, on sightings of God, scripture, such as Jacob's ladder, 
into heaven and saying, surely God was in this place and I knew it what not, or his wrestling with God and limping as a result, or Moses and Joshua in the tent of meeting and Moses going away from the tent, but Joshua, young Joshua, this is a message for young people and more mature people staying in the tent of glory. Ezekiel's azure canopy of heaven and the wheels within wheels around the presence of God. And of course, all the sightings of Jesus are to be seen, uh, as the apostle said, and we have seen his glory. Um, through to Paul, arrested on the Damascus Road by the glory, and then scales falling from his eyes and him being able to see, or being in the third heaven and seeing things that were so, such that he couldn't really talk about them. This is mystical and mysterious. And I believe David was a mystic who saw these things. And there is such a great landscape of beauty. It's God being seen in a kind of cloud of unknowing, as one mystic writer put it. Worship is contemplation, what we've been beckoned into this morning, if we'll allow that to happen. And David saw him, and in Psalm 97 he says, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. I wonder if you know something about clouds and thick darkness. And of course, the writer of The Cloud of Unknowing said that in the days of Jesus' incarnation, he was clouded by his human flesh, paradoxically. You might think that's the time we could really see the glory of God, but for the mystics, he was clouded by humanity. As I think it's Charles Wesley's Christmas hymn says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity. And uh, so this is a gift, really, of contemplation. When I got here today, I was given a gift. Amazing, really. In fact, uh, I won't go and get it, but this, it was a, two extremely nice bottles of wine. I mean, really good. Uh, and I wasn't expecting anything like that. I got here, and the message said, Charlie and Anita, thank you for making your sermons at St. Aldate's available for everyone to listen to. You know, and... Uh, Part of that ministry includes the amazing song written by Lauren Harris, The Lord is My Shepherd. He restores my soul. And to come in here and hear that, having now seen it develop and knowing the place it was written in and all that sort of stuff, having seen the story of the author of coming back from complete chaos into uh, new life in Christ is all the more moving. But anyway... It's a gift. I've received a gift, and then now I've got to open it at some point. I'm looking forward to that. But the same was the gift of contemplation. You receive it, but you've got to open it up and enter into it and enjoy it. Be inebriated by it. As Cantalamessa said, the sober inebriation of the Holy Spirit. And how do we do this? Well, I have started setting, I put my watch on to make sure I don't preach too long, but I, I now set a, a, a sort of timer 
in front of me. After I've looked at the Bible and prayed a bit, I then want to have silence. You know, Elijah, for Elijah, the, there was the earthquake, there was the wind, there was the fire, uh, and in the edge of the cave, there was then what's called the sound of sheer silence. And this is what David knew, I believe. And so I put it, to begin with, it was five minutes, and I just put it to the side, and there it was, so that I didn't keep on wondering how long I'd been quiet for. Now it's moved up a bit to, to 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And these simple uh, you know, skills, really, or tricks, or, may help us to enter into contemplation. I know it's for those of us who are really, really busy, and I can see people carrying all sorts of juggling responsibilities at home and in family and at work and beyond training. You know, pool is the capital of weights and exercise and biking as far as, well, maybe that's just staying with the Perrys that I've seen there. But anyway, it's, how am I going to fit that in if I'm quiet before God? And Henry Nouwen, a spiritual writer, said this. He <coughs> spoke of the kind of panic that ensues when we're told, encouraged to be quiet. He said, as soon as we're alone without people to talk to, books to read, TV to watch, phone to look at, an inner chaos opens up in us. The chaos can be so disturbing and so confusing, we can hardly wait to get busy again. <laughs> in my, my experience, it is, there is an initial reluctance, but after practice, just like any kind of a thing that's worth doing takes effort, trouble, training, you enter into your home, really. And then, after that, without it, you will be homesick. So make an appointment, set your watch going, have quietening down, and sit before the presence of the Lord. Desmond Tutu is one of the most effective leaders of the 20th century as Archbishop of um, South Africa. And he arguably saved South Africa from a bloodbath when Nelson Mandela was released from 27 years in prison, can you imagine, and went from prisoner to president in the space of months, and apartheid came to an end, and Desmond Tutu led the reconciliation process. And he had a habit, so he was a very active, effective leader, that's what I'm saying, on the world stage. And yet he had a habit of one hour of silent prayer every day and one week of silence every year. And his assistant of many years said to him once, what happens when you're in contemplation? What do you do? Is it there that you download, you know, the next strategy to invent the Truth and Reconciliation Commission or the next plan for a peaceful demonstration against the regime. Do you get your plan? A lot of us, when we are alone with God, we just spend our time writing vision or writing ideas and so on. And this is Tutu's reply after a pause. It is like sitting in front of a, a warm, open fire on a cold winter's night. 
he says. And we are warmed by the presence of God. We don't have to say anything. We may be better not saying anything. And we seek the gift of contemplation and stillness. Point number two, I want to encourage us to discover the consolation of contemplation or the consolations of contemplation. Acts 2 relates that David saw God, apparently. Um, Acts 2, it was so important that the Apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when thousands were coming to Christ, decided to quote one verse or a couple of verses from David. And the verse he says is Acts 2, for David says concerning him, Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is my right, at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. How did he see him? You know, this was hundreds of years earlier, he saw Christ. And then he says, therefore my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh will also dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You'll make me full of gladness in your presence. This is about the resurrection from the dead. And this is, of course, the ultimate consolation in contemplation that there is life after death. There is hope. Anyone who has known bereavement or trouble I, Anita may have been speaking yesterday about the death of her sister, Miranda Harris, in a terrible car crash, suddenly taken from us. My closest female friend, her closest beloved sister. She may have mentioned the death when we were much younger of our first son in a cot death, in uh, sudden infant death syndrome. And other moments of great challenge in life. What is the consolation for those kinds of bereavements? Eternal life is the consolation. David said that sometime when he lost a child and he stopped fasting and his praying and his attendants hardly dared talk to him, he said, well, he will not come to us. I will go to him but he will not come to us. He knew about that, and I want to just encourage you about the fact of heaven, the fact of eternal life, the fact, as Archbishop Welby beautifully quoted Queen Elizabeth II in Westminster Abbey the other day, we'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when. This is hope, this is consolation. But there are many other consolations and um, kindnesses that happen. David knew a lot of trouble. He knew family chaos. He knew giants. He knew losing his job. He knew, he knew about being homeless, to use today's language. It's a technical... He knew betrayal by his, one of his own children, which... Some people experience these things today, ghosting, separation, and what do we do about them? And David's reflex was to go into the sanctuary somehow and find consolation. Psalm 55, my heart is disquieted 
fearfulness and trembling come to me and a horrible dread has overwhelmed me. Put a hand up if ever you've had horrible dread. You know, let's be honest. Let's be a transparent church. This happens. In times of trouble, there are choices. What choice do we make? Do we lurch towards our phone to make appointments, to send WhatsApp, to organize our day, to fill up our week with stuff? Or do we go into the quietness and choose God and know stillness and contemplation? It can be very healing, powerful. Psalm 27, one thing I ask, this only, one thing, only, do I seek that I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Psalm 63, God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you in a dry and weary land. Who's living in a dry and weary land where there's no water on the world stage? I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. I will be satisfied because you are my help. I will sing. So one 14th century mystic, uh, John Towler, German mystic, called sufferings in life strange myrrh. Fragrant aroma, really. He lived through climate change, the Black Death, wars, severe persecutions of the Jews, but it was also people's inner dereliction that drew his attention. And he called these sufferings strange myrrh. And he thought people sometimes avoid the myrrh by analyzing their mistakes or lamenting their bad luck and planning other activities. But with acceptance and surrender, he said, there grows a precious wisp of smoke a kernel of costly incense with a fragrant scent. He said, the fire of a person's burning love for God contained in prayer releases fragrance, the rarely fine fragrance of holy devotion. And he says, stop avoiding the myrrh. Get into the comfort of contemplation and become the aroma of Christ. Look to God in sadness, as David did. I believe people today in Poole are not looking for a church that is kind of shallow, triumphant, where there's no problems, but a church that is deep church, where there is great sadness in the presence of God, as well as great joy and overcoming. And uh, I think Anita was mentioning yesterday an exercise we often do now, um, if you'll pardon me, reminding the women, some of the women anyway, which I learnt um, when I was at a kind of mindfulness seminar in Oxford, um, in the canons of Oxford Cathedral meeting. We had the national expert on mindfulness, and he, who is a Christian, and he said the roots are Christian. And I've linked this exercise to, to Teresa River Villa's Centering Prayer. So, Join with me for a moment in a workshop, if you don't mind. If you don't mind sitting with both your feet on the ground like that. I know it's hard work to do that. And, and then put your hands on your knees. And then, uh, then take a breath. 
And this is the prayer of recollection. Relax your shoulders, take a breath, and draw all your distracted thoughts. Recollect them home. And then if you turn your hands over on your knees, this is what Teresa of Avila called the prayer of quiet. It's also silent, but it's a listening stillness. Listening on, as it were, the edge of your seat to what God is saying, or what are you seeing? Close your eyes and lift your face. Sometimes we will be reminded of scriptures we've read or one word, beloved. or faithful. We'll know the presence and the consolation of God. Then put your hand on your heart. And again, just relax, breathe. This is what we can call union and communion. He will be with you. And he will be in you. He makes a home in your heart. The Trinity even, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the mystics felt. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, drenching in the power of God will be there. Or seated in the heavenly realms. Paul said, I want you to be seated with Christ in heavenly realms. And then we can give, stop that exercise. <laughs> it says there's silence in heaven for half an hour. There was silence in St. Mary's for two minutes. <laughs> and I'm, only, I'm saying that as a kind of just helpful exercise. You may find that helpful because often the question is, what on earth do we do um, to be still, to know that he is God? And finally... Uh, oh, to see him, I just want to mention that in the book of Revelation, a church is mentioned which uh, thinks it's got everything and has need of nothing. But the Lord, the risen Lord says, you are, I tell you, you're pitiful, blind, wretched, and blind, you're pitiful, wretched, naked, and blind. And then it, he, the Lord says, I counsel you to buy eye salve, ointment for your eyes so that you can see. And that might be like myrrh, really. So ask God for ointment to see uh, the consolations of God in the quietness. And lastly, the power of contemplation. And <coughs> David knew this 
Psalm 3 is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Can you imagine that? Fleeing from your child. This is what he knew. And he says, Lord, how many are my foes? Many rise up against me. Many are saying of him that God won't deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord, he answers me. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I won't fear tens of thousands. This is the power of contemplation, beloved St. Mary's, where God will lift up your head. There's intercession and there's contemplation, two sides of a, you know, costly access card, let's say. Here's a, as they used to call it, a bank, here's a bank card which has got most of the info on one side, but there's a little number on the back, which without that you can't get anything really, um, often. And we need both sides of intercession, but we need contemplation as well to know the power of God, I believe. Um, As an illustration, I went recently to a meeting of with a friend, I went to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was a meeting of about 80 young professionals. And the meeting lasted one hour, just like your quarter to nine service. And it was a pretty amazing time of young people in work, under 30, you know, very friendly. They said to me, are you just a friend of this person or are you in the fellowship? They call it a fellowship. And I was reminded there of the famous but often forgotten 12 steps. Step one, after we admitted to ourselves we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. You know, I long for churches where people have admitted that our lives are unmanageable powerless over sin and our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And then, you know, they go through making a fearless inventory of things that have gone wrong, making amends to people unless it will cause them harm to do that, admitting to God and a human being the exact, exact nature of our wrongs. After that, you get to step 11, which is what I'm talking about today, really. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and power to carry it out. This is what I'm talking about today, conscious contact with God and power, therefore, to carry things out. Step 12, it says, amazingly, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and make it the guiding principle in all our affairs. So I was moved by this. I was moved by my friend, by what good this was, by all these people. 
and this intentionality, really. And I long for a similar intentionality in church to increase this conscious awareness and conscious contact with God. Um, may we, through prayer and meditation, improve that. And may we carry this to others. So, dearly loved St. Mary's, I've been talking about the gift of contemplation that we need to open. The consolations of contemplation, the power of contemplation. I'm just going to finish with a, an illustration that um, I used in the first service and Andy said it would, be, it would do. <laughs> so people often say, you know, I wish that the rain of God's spirit would come upon me and God would drench me with this awareness of his presence. And, you know, I sometimes look at them. This is even a St. Mary's pool umbrella, I think, is it? Yeah, you see, I'm, that didn't. And often I look at them and actually they're like this. You know, they're saying, I want this. I want to see, I'd love to see. But things are there which are protecting and barriering this, what might those things be? And I really encourage us, myself, to take these barriers down, remove them, dismantle them somehow. Obviously, one is unconfessed or, or, or sin, a life of sinful activity. David, you know, was in trouble until I confessed to God, he says, and so on. So we can take that, we can really get clean with God. But clearly other barriers, maybe just busyness, activity, activism, distractedness, lack of self-discipline, maybe disappointed hopes in the past when you've tried this. Um, and through the gift of God again, as we come to him, we can actually not just lay it aside, but you know, to pull it right away and by the grace of God, see. Lord, we pray. Let's stand for a moment and if we have a band coming back, I don't know what the routine is, but let's just... Thank you so much for listening so attentively. I believe... The Holy Spirit is here, so let's just hold our hands, lift our faces to heaven. And uh, just, if you want to know more about these, these things and want to see the beauty of the Lord, just stick a hand up now. If, you're, if that's what you want in your prayer life and your life, just acknowledge that. This is what I want. One, I want to seek the Lord. I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and see him in the sanctuary. I want a new day of eyesight. Lord, we pray. We pray for this. Please, Lord, earnestly we seek you. Take away barriers from my life. We repent of sin. Give me eye self ointment. 
that I may see you in the sanctuary, gaze on your power and glory. Be the lifter of my head. I come to you asking for discipline in my really busy, hectic life to nevertheless be in the still, sheer silence of your presence in the name of Jesus. Let my life be a balanced life and not a overcome life with stress and pressure. Let me come into yourself. Let me be still and know that you are God. Help me, Lord, I pray. Help me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit.